0: Welcome to The Daily Drop, a 5-10 to minute segment of the Managing Madrid podcast, which is designed to give you content on days we do not have podcasts planned. And today, Monday, June 27th, happens to be one of those days. And I thought I would just hop on real quick to give you uh, a little bit of content on Raul because it's his 45th birthday and he is my idol. He is the kind of guy that if Twitter were around like late 90s, 2000, 2001, really up until he retired, um, I would have been relentless, really, even during his decline. But if Twitter were around for that time, especially during that year where he was snubbed at Ballon d'Or and robbed because Michael Owen swooped in and undeservedly won it over Raúl, I would have been insufferable on Twitter, just posting Raúl propaganda. So, thankfully, Twitter wasn't around. For that time, there were some forums, and uh, I spoke about this in the Chicago podcast we did live because there were a few Raul fans there, and uh, funny enough, one of the guys, Slobodan, who, if he's listening to this podcast, shout out to Slobodan, uh, he remembers me from forums when I was like a 12 to 13-year-old posting Raul propaganda, and uh, he actually was at that podcast, and he was like, and, and, you know, so I've actually known him from the forums from that time, and we actually met for the first time in person in Chicago. Anyway, so I was that guy. I was the kid that would drive you nuts. Um, And and on some level, that's part of the reason why I have some sympathy and empathy with the the kids on Twitter these days who drive me nuts. I'm like, I kind of get it. I used to be that guy. So uh, I would have been insufferable. So thankfully for everyone, that wasn't around. But he was my idol. And he was like the one guy in life that, you know, I really loved that wasn't my family member or a friend or someone I knew personally. He was the you know, the guy that I worshipped, had posters of him, and around that time, late nineties, it wasn't easy to get Raul posters, so sometimes I would just print out these pages from my printer of Raul pictures, and my parents would get so frustrated because I would just drain the ink, like, you know, every single pixel in full color, just ink. And it would take like an hour to print, and it was like, you know, an old-school printer. And the next day, my parents wouldn't have, like, ink to print stuff for themselves. So I would have Raul posters, like, that were basically handcrafted and have them up all over my room. Room. So I was that guy. I really love Raul. You know, I know that really depending on the era and the timing of, of when you became a Real Madrid fan, everyone will have their guy, you know, before me. Uh Eduardo, I think, had Butrogenio as as the guy he really loved. You fast forward a lot of people had Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, you know, Matt Wilsey had David Beckham, and that's what brought him to the club. And so everyone will have that guy. And a lot of people had Raul as their guy. And for me, it was just it was Raul all day, every day. I loved him. I loved him a lot. And I just wanted to hop on and say a few words about him because, you know. He's the kind of guy, and I, and I see people asking about him periodically because, you know, they didn't really get to see him play or maybe they coincided with his decline at the, the tail end of his Real Madrid career where he had that one year where he overlapped with Cristiano Ronaldo and co. Uh, it was a very brief brief overlap, but it existed. <clears throat> and they saw that version of him and they were like, what's the big deal with this guy? Well, if you take his peak, which is from 1998 to 2003, Uh, And I think the peak of his powers was 2001, really. Um, He was the type of madridista that you would go to war with. You know, we we speak so much about the trust we have in the leadership of Luka Modric in Karim Benzema and these guys. And Sergio Ramos. Like, these guys, these are the guys you want on the field in a big game in the Champions League final. Raul was up that ilk and maybe um no one had it better than him at his peak and everyone asks like what was his talent is is it true that he wasn't that talented i would i think like it's it's a little bit of a discredit to him to kind of label him as this guy who just only worked hard and wasn't that talented i kind of think his superpower and his talent in a way was the same way thanos is talented <laughs> in that It's the intelligence. That was his talent. He was just highly talented at understanding football in a way no one else could. Like, he was so intelligent. His off ball movement, his ability to play multiple positions and do damage in all of them, his understanding of how to connect with opponents or his teammates and do damage to his opponents in turn, his ability to know where everyone on the pitch is at all times, his range in terms of you know, he led the league in scoring, primarily playing on the left wing one season. And he could also play support striker. He could play as the lone nine. He could play a little bit deeper. Um, and I'll never forget, like, people... I remember we put out a video managing Madrid a few years ago, uh, which I think Ohm was the guy who put it all together. It was brilliant work. It was really special, special work. It was... 2017 or that range where we where he put out a, a video on Benzema's off-ball movement and defensive ability. Defensive ability in particular was highlighted in that video. And it was around the time where Benzema wasn't scoring goals, and a lot of people in the fan base just hated him. They wanted him out. And a lot of people took issue with that video saying, like, forwards aren't supposed to do defensive work. Like, stop pushing this agenda or whatever. And uh, I, I remember very vividly a few people actually name-dropped Raul. Like, do you think Raul... Defended? Do you think Raul's job was to defend? He, like, not really knowing anything about anything. And the response was very easy. Like, yeah, actually, Raul was unbelievable defensively. That guy worked his ass off. Like, no system was ever out of whack with Raul as your forward because that guy pressed like a maniac. He dropped deep. I mean, in a lot of ways, him and Benzema are very similar because they both have the incredible link of ability. And also the incredible defensive ability and both were lethal finishers at their peak and could create, could drop to both wings, could link up with the other superstars. And it's really incredible to see Raul kind of line up. You know, there were games where you had Figo, Zidane, Raul and Ronaldo Nazario all on the pitch, all four of them. And. How the hell do you balance that? Well, one is that you have McAlealy behind them and Helguera too. Like the, the double pivot of McAlealy and Helguera, by the way, might be the most underrated midfield partnership in club history. Those two inc- were incredible together. And one of the greatest sins in Real Madrid history was the separation of that midfield duo, selling McAlealy and then putting Helguera as a center back because you had no other defenders. If they had to just double down on McAlealy and Helguera double pivot, I think the the... Galactico era wouldn't have ended prematurely in two thousand three. I think it would have been extended. Um, and you know there was a video that Real Madrid posted a few days ago. It was the day of Real Madrid's twenty ninth year uh, La Liga title, I believe it was on uh, the you know the the day they won that title. <clears throat> and uh, just mi- re- reminiscing on that season was was. You know, it brought back a lot of memories because that era, that 2002-2003 season specifically was my favorite iteration of the Galacticos because they were all still very, very capable superstars. And they still had some tactical balance and they almost won the double. The only reason they didn't is, um, still pains me to say, that Figo missed a penalty in Turin. That's, that, that was the margin of error and they almost made it to the final to play Milan that season. I'm not sure if they would have beaten Milan, uh, to be honest, but you know, they did lose to that Milan team in the group stages. They also beat them later on that same group stage, but that was after Milan had already qualified from the group and they weren't playing their full strength team. But either way, that, that was the best iteration of it. And then after that, it collapsed. So <clears throat> uh, where was I going with this? Right. So to play, so one of the reasons that team was had some semblance of balance, was the Helgar Dell pivot, but also that Raul would often be the deepest player of Zidane and Figo and Ronaldo. He would be behind all three of them at times, doing so much work. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch one of my favorite games in Real Madrid history. That was Real Madrid's 3-1 win over Manchester United in the first leg of the Champions League. Oh boy, I should know this off the top of my head. I've watched this game so many times. I think it was quarterfinals. Um, and obviously in the second leg... That was the game where Real Madrid <clears throat> had the the famous Ronaldo Nazario hat-trick at Old Trafford. Raul missed that game. and uh, But the first leg was some of the most beautiful football I've ever seen Real Madrid play. And Raul in that game was incredible. Zidane was incredible. Figo was incredible. I mean, that basically, the entire Manchester United media, the team, the players, the fans basically submitted to the greatness of Real Madrid and were like, these guys are just from... This, another dimension these guys aren't real and that was one of my favorite kind of games I think you know if you're going, ba- going back since I started watching the team in 1998 <clears throat> alright so there's that I also wanted to rewind a little bit <clears throat> and talk about Raul uh, from the very beginning because I think it's a very interesting trajectory and also interesting um, interesting because it highlights what his mindset was And if you want further info on this, I actually, right now, it's about 11 a.m. Eastern on Monday. So I actually might write something before I go to bed tonight on Raul. It might not be like the 3,000-word classic article, but I might actually just open up the laptop uh, and write something. No promises. I'm going to head to the gym in a a bit and then come home and then think about it, spend some time with the kids. And if I put it out, it's going to be before, like when you wake up Tuesday morning or if you're up on the West Coast on Monday night, you might see it. Or you might not. I don't know. It really depends on how I feel. I'm saying it publicly because I'm kind of trying to speak into existence and hold myself accountable a little bit. And also for further reading, I've written two massive articles. One is if you Google why Raul is the most iconic footballer in Spanish football history or one of the most iconic, that's written by me. You'll see it. That was a few years ago. And I also recently... More recently, a couple years ago, I wrote an article about Raúl's time at Schalke, which was very interesting because it was a resurrection of his career where he was awesome, and I interviewed Julian Draxler and Felix Magath for that one. But um, the reason I wa- I wanted to bring it back to like his debut days is uh, because I think it highlights his mentality. Because the the famous story of him is that he's a seventeen year old kid, and. Jorge Valdano at the time was managing the team and he was in this dilemma. He was, he was, they were playing an away game at, uh, at Zaragoza and they were kind of short on numbers. And Raul says to Valdano as a kid, quote, if you want to join, if you, if you want to win, play me. If not, put someone else in. And I think that quote is emblematic of who Raul was. He was the guy like you would really want to go into war with. He was reliable in big games. He was an assassin against Barcelona in like every Clásico. He was incredible in Champions League games. If you go Google Keon Subani, the Real Madrid vault, I have a list of videos of some of my favorite Raul moments. A lot of those are in big games. His numbers in the Champions League speak for themselves. And, uh... He showed up in every Champions League final that Real Madrid played in, except for the La Septima, which uh, was the Mihatovic goal. And he was a kid then. So that quote was interesting because, to elaborate on this, Raul in that debut game pretty much did everything except for score. And his finishing was woeful. He missed an open net. And then another occasion, he rounded the keeper. He missed that. Uh, He had another breakaway where he shot it right at the keeper. And there's a there's a famous story about Real Madrid's assistant manager who was Angel Kappa at that time, where the quote was Raul uh hold on, and now I lost the tab. <laughs> Classic. Classic Keon mistake on a podcast. Um, but he he said that after that game what they expected was they were going to go into the locker room and see a broken kid full of tears and probably having to go in there and console him and be like, it's okay. And when when they went in, Kappa said he felt almost silly. Like he felt silly having to even go in and talk to him because that kid needed no consoling. He was ready to go next game. I just need one more game. I'll be okay. And I think that's true. Like, and I think if that game, if Twitter around, <laughs> Twitter were around for that game, I mean Raúl would have been asked to be sold on the spot. Uh, and I think if Managing Madrid was around for that time, they would have looked at that game and be like, "Well, he's a kid. Let's have patience." And also, here are the other things he did really well. Look at the effort. Look at the 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 defensive work effort. Look at the link up ability. This guy is really special. And it turned out that that debut was just basically. Uh, you can't. It really meant nothing other than the fact that Raúl was going to become extremely lethal, and he become he became incredible, and he became the the symbol of Real Madrid in so many ways. The same reason why Butragueño before him did, and before that all of the greats from Di Stefano and Puskás did, and so many Spanish Real Madrid emblematic players who were great, and after him Sergio Ramos did. It's 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 awesome to always have players like that in the club. And if you want to take it really far back, I'd also say one of the greatest what-ifs in Real Madrid history is Atletico Madrid disbanding their youth team when Raul was in it, which meant that Raul became a Real Madrid youth team product. And if Atletico Madrid never disbanded their youth team at that time, Raul would have still been an Atletico player. And that would have changed everything for everyone. So... He was the beneficiary of timing in a certain way because Butrogania was getting old. Um, You know, there weren't that many great strikers in the squad at that time. Uh, And he just rose. He rose and he rose and he rose, and he was incredible. And this is a 15-minute podcast so far. And if I I wanted to, I could easily turn it into an hour at the bare minimum. There is so much in Raul's career that, are very interesting to highlight. But I will also say um, the decline of him is still one that makes me really sad because he declined way too young. And the reason for his decline, though publicly a little bit unknown and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it was, but it's clear to me what it was. And it was his marriage um, behind the scenes that was taking a toll on him. And something specifically happened that I'm not allowed to talk about publicly, but it's there. And that makes me sad because the guy really should have been more successful than he was. And he was wildly successful. But had he continued on his trajectory, it would have been really, really hard for him to be caught up in the Champions League. I, I mean, Ronaldo and Messi would have overtaken him eventually. I think if he had gone on the trajectory though continued on it it would have been hard for anyone else to to catch up to to his numbers if he had continued on that path. But his decline was steep and dramatic and unfortunately it also led to a lot of distasteful things And because when you're not playing well at all and you're this huge figure it creates a a lot of locker room problems um, both at the club and national team level and it definitely makes me sad that Basically, as he was he was demoted because you couldn't for, you just couldn't justify his form anymore, and Aragones had to drop him. He wasn't able to partake in celebrating with the Spanish national team in 08. So that makes me sad still, but I'm I am super glad he had that resurgence at Schalke at the end, and I'm super glad that he's finding success as a Castilla manager now. Class act, love the guy. He is the only guy in my life that I actually shook and froze when I saw him <laughs> face-to-face at the Bernabeu Press Row. No one's ever had that effect on me. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. In a lot of ways, it was, I, it was very similar. Like, this is a tangent, but this weekend was my son Luca's birthday. It was his fifth birthday party. He's in love with Spider-Man, in love. It was a Spider-Man theme. Spider-Man cake, Spider-Man decorations, he was wearing a Spider-Man shirt, all the kids had Spider-Man masks, and as a surprise, I ordered a Spider-Man, full Spider-Man suit from Amazon, and I put it on, and I surprised him at the birthday party, and he just like froze, he didn't know what to say, he was kind of shy, and because Spider-Man is his idol, and that's basically the equivalent of what Raul did to me, I just didn't know what to say, I bumped shoulders with him, he turned around and said, excuse me, and I'm just like an idiot. I just stared into space, and I felt, I felt, I felt overwhelmed and humbled. And I and, and I promised myself next time I meet him, that's not going to happen. But uh, just a special guy. And I'm only sharing this story because I want to share with you how much he meant to me personally. And I and I know that it resonates with others listening to this podcast who became Real Madrid fans at the same time. So, um, happy birthday, Raul. I'm sure there's a lot of things I did not touch on in this podcast, but this is supposed to be just a quick hitter. And uh, and that's the Raul portion of this podcast. Come to a, coming to a close, again, go read those two articles I wrote about Raul. Plus, check out the Reamter archive that has some of my favorite Raul moments in there. Uh, and look for something from me maybe tonight or tomorrow morning. Quick 180 turn because I promised I would take one of these patron questions that came in uh, I like to take patron questions as quickly as possible now and as rapidly as possible because I don't, I don't like them to pile up. We have more patrons than ever there we're We're going to surpass 1200 patrons probably by the end of the week at the rate it's going. I think we're at 1, 1198 or something like that. So maybe like in the next day or two, but uh, there's a lot of people who get guaranteed responses to their questions. And if we don't take them regularly, they'll pile up. So Forgive the 180 turn. It's a little bit of a uh, a twist to the podcast, but our patron Adrian Rios says, I need a therapy session really quick. I live in the US and besides supporting Real Madrid, I also support LAFC being from California. I don't know how to feel about Bale going to LAFC though. I thought my nightmare of having to deal with him at Madrid was over. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the deal. And if you think there's any hope for him to put in efforts and revive his career the way Zlatan did when he went to the MLS. Well, Adrian, uh actually first of all, congrats to you and all of LAFC for getting Gareth Bale. Um I had dinner with um Christian Paredes, if you're listening, uh, who used to be who was one of the founding members of the the, the uh Peña Marisa Sur de California and uh, at that dinner table was one of the LAFC uh supporters, uh, the supporter group, he was he was the the main guy, the founder of it. And I saw that recently he had an interview with Sky Sports to talk about Gareth Bale's arrival, and just super happy for him. Just a fantastic human, and so congrats to all you guys. And um, I think Adrian, you should really embrace it and have fun with it. I mean, how rare is it to have a Real Madrid legend come to your city after they leave the club and play for that that team? Go to go to the games. Go to the go to the, go to the games. Enjoy it. Now, I will say this: I would. Be careful not to get too many tickets in advance because you never know with Gareth Bale's injury record and in history if he's going to even be available to play that game that you're going to. So maybe you can do it last minute. Maybe check some scalpers and, and, and see if it's – I don't know how easy it is or how hard it is. I know LAFC is a, is, has a huge cult following who will probably all over the season tickets. But just a precaution – I'd also get seasonal passes to every golf course you can in LA because I think you'll get, you'll have more of a chance of running into him that way, but have fun with him man. enjoy it. You know, Bale, if he plays, um, I think he's going to tear that league apart to be honest with you. Uh, and I think he'll take it pretty seriously. And if not, I think he'll be playing without much pressure because really he just wants to stay match fit for the world cup. So enjoy it, man. Don't, don't be conflicted by it. Just have fun with it and embrace it. So that, those, are my, those are my two cents. All right, I'm going to wrap it here. Thanks to Adrian for submitting the question and thanks to all of our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Tomorrow we have an exclusive show that goes up every Tuesday night. It's called Tuesday Tapas with myself and Matt Wiltsey. If you want access to that and more bonus shows, go to patreon.com slash managing Madrid. It's $3 minimum to get in. You get access to every single previous podcast plus all future podcasts. And you also get a discount code to book your spot to our live podcast. So we got Las Vegas and San Francisco coming up. If you want to book your spot and you want the discount code, maybe it's a good way to join the uh, the the, the, the Patreon page because your discount code basically pays for itself right away with uh with your membership and your and, and if you're attending the podcast you save money there so do it and the links to book your spot to the podcast are in the show notes and Vegas actually we maxed out but I'm gonna have to find a bigger room so we're going to open it up and just get a bigger room. So it's not a big deal, but, but that's the, those are the kind of things we're dealing with right now. So book your spot ASAP. Also, prices go up on July 1st. So we want to see you guys inside Patreon, but also inside the physical room where we're going to have a big Maririsa party, and you can connect with other Maririsas if you're going to those preseason games. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your time, and hala marir.